0: started telling some friends about mine like hey in canada they're still selling 12 and a bunch of, a bunch of us bought the the remaining 12s
1: some people clear out shelves you clear out countries is that how it works <laughs> we took all of canada's to crack 12 <laughs> <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen, and I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. When I got a text message that said, hey, do you want to have Brad Paisley on your show? I couldn't resist jumping at the chance. Everyone knows Brad as the country music legend, but we got to sit down with him and discover bourbon enthusiast Brad. He was once known as a sober star, but bourbon has permanently cemented a place in his life. We talk about how he first began appreciating bourbon, and how that even led him to starting his own brand called American Highway. We talk about the brand and its origins in the future, but stick around to the end, and you will hear some epic bourbon hunting stories. With that, enjoy today's episode, and now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char.
2: I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Bob Lee, who writes me on fredminnick.com. How is the spirits industry affected by the supply chain issues we are facing, specifically the availability of glass? Are the bottles produced locally or do they come from overseas, such as China? Uh, great question, Bob. And yeah, I mean it's a major issue, but it's been it's been in the spirits industry for a few years now. Actually, um, the availability of glass overseas. A lot of people. In the spirits industry do buy from China, so they're like molds on uh just ready to go to basically pump out uh glass in China uh with the flip of a switch. And, you know, some of the more custom stuff is done in Italy. Uh, Mexico is actually a big supplier of um of glass that's used in bourbon as well. And then you have a lot of American bottle makers, but the thing is, is there's so many new so many new uh, bourbon brands and so many new spirits brands coming on the market that they're just backlogged. and you will see like um, brands change their bottle designs in the middle of a launch, like Nashville Barrel Company, you know Nashville Barrel Company is a, is a new brand. I'm a big fan of them. I love what they're doing. Uh, they changed bottles uh, in the middle of launching their brand, and and that's usually a kind of like a death sentence to a brand, but it hasn't really hurt them at all. But it's it's been really tough out there. You know, Saint Augustine Distillery recently told FT. dot com that they've got five thousand cases worth of vodka, gin, rum, and whiskey just sitting in in tanks. And I know Jack Daniel's is really behind with their bottles and. And everybody's just facing all of these issues across the country right now and I don't think it's any any different in the spirits industry, but you know, in terms of like getting the goods, the the only difference is is that eventually people like St. Augustine distillery, they're gonna run out of storage space for tanks, and all it's gonna be sitting in barrels longer, it's gonna end up hurting their bottom line. I mean, this is it's not good. It's not good, and there's no, there's no fixing it. Unless, Bob, you want to start a glass company. I mean, that might be the best thing. But, yeah, it's, it's not good, and everybody is kind of dealing with it. But that's going to do it uh, with this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like Bob Lee, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Click the contact button and let me know your question. If I like the question, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers.
1: Anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas, you can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium, hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof, Welcome everybody. We're back with another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon. And today on the show, we have a very special guest. Uh somebody that I know I've listened to over the years. I'm sure Ryan has probably heard it to uh, a few times through his radio. Once or twice maybe. Yeah, I was, it's funny you said he was coming on and then
3: I, I I was like, I think he's on my original iPod. And so I looked and <laughs> sure enough, there was, and, uh, it was It was the mud on tires, you know,
0: what drawer was that in? And how long did it take to charge?
3: It was, it was I had to get out the old cord, you know, that it's not the lightning cable and get it. Oh no, it's in, the one but, that's this wide. Yeah. The one's like four <laughs> inches wide, you know, but yeah, uh, Brad Paisley was a staple in my, gosh, I, so, I think that I'm was so a high that school I'm
0: current in your phone. <laughs> right exactly yeah but like, well i was like i think it i have his song somewhere let me go find my eight tracks <laughs>
3: hey, what's funny though i was listening through that album last night and there was this song called uh, make a mistake and i was like i'm pretty sure i used that a line or two that was uh one of my favorites it, it was only like a minute long but it was really good
0: well yeah no that's that real fast that that turned into an instrumental it's that Yeah,
3: yeah. It's like a minute and a half of like you singing, and then it goes into like a four-minute instrumental.
1: I loved it. So you've heard his voice. Brian's already mentioned him. So today on the show, we have Brad Paisley. Of course, he's country music superstar, three-time Grammy Award winner, two American Music Awards, 14 Country Music Association Awards, and 15 Academy of Country Music Awards, among many others. But today on the show, we're not just talking about some music, but we're also talking about... Some bourbon and his bourbon, and it's actually already been updated on his Wikipedia page. So in 2021, Paisley has released his own bourbon brand called American Highway Reserve, and this whiskey was aged in barrels in his Rolling Rickhouse semi-trailer that followed his 2019 concert tour. And he's also collaborated with some people we all have in common here, Bardstown Bourbon Company, to create this bourbon. So Brad. Super happy that you could be here and kind of talk about, you know, some of your story, some of your passion behind this. And we kind of want to get into some bourbon related questions before we we dive into it. Is that cool? Oh, I, that's
0: great. And uh, yeah, Wikipedia is different wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know some things about myself, too. I need to go check it out. You know, there is one thing I learned
1: about Wikipedia is that they have some sort of algorithm that knows first you can't create anything by yourself and you can't even have a close relative or friend do it they are they have something that is able to decipher and figure that out it has to be something that is completely random that is unconnected to you of how people can create those pages and actually update them i always thought that was amazing
0: that is amazing no they do they do a pretty good job every now and then it's the wrong middle name or something but other than that for a while i think my middle name was like scott or something <laughs>
1: what is what is the middle name educate me Douglas okay, let's see now I came away. I learned
0: something today, yeah named it, uh, my my dad's name is my middle name, right on,
1: so this one's probably an obvious one, and you could go and you can google everything out there, and it said for the longest time it says you don't drink alcohol, so does that still stand true? uh no
0: <laughs> switch it up that fell by the wayside a little while back. <laughs> <laughs> Look when I the fun part about the journey for me on all of this is that uh when I was growing up, I played music from thirteen. I think I first played in church when I was ten, had my first whiskey in the basement. I'm kidding
3: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a song,
1: yeah was like we all have those stories
0: uh but truth truthfully i I grew up playing in my hometown went quickly to any of, you know, like to plan any event that they needed entertainment for. Like I would do, uh, every lion's club luncheon and mother daughter banquet. And then my my band, I had a band that were the sweetest older guys. My guitar teacher was a hero and, and these guys were all in their fifties and I was 13 and they would play, uh, they would back me up and, and I would go sing and you can imagine I was a hot ticket <laughs> in yeah. little Glendale, West Virginia, you know, the 13 year old with his band of senior citizens. It was really, it was really something. And, um, but I watched, I got to play bars, you know, the local bars from the time I was, uh, probably 13 on and my dad would have to take me and my dad, who's a department of highways employee and a former army vet and a fireman had to learn how to run sound. So I, but I, here I am. So he'd drive me the gig and I'm in these bars. I shouldn't even be allowed in, but they needed entertainment. And I'm, Hey, I'm playing while these people get hammered and watching, watching the effects of alcohol probably led to my song. I mean, like when you think about the song I wrote about from the perspective of alcohol, um, with alcohol singing it basically, um, it's kind of good and bad. It's sort of like, here's the fun, and here's the stupid things you're going to do, and here's the, you know, and all of that kind of crazy stuff. And and uh, so I, I think I, I've been very, very careful my entire life to sort of be, like, I never went through that college, let's get hammered and see what the effect is type of thing. I just, I was much later in life, and I started to drink because I wanted to experience these expressions, these artistic Things and I went really for the good stuff.
1: I think you have a little bit of a different coming of age tale than most of us do, then, because I th- I think you're you're one of the three on here that didn't go too uh, off the <laughs> wall here on college. So yeah.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely was like really, yeah. For me, it's like I've feared it a lot of my life. I watched, I've watched band members in various bands I've been in over the years lose their jobs. I've watched friends become um, basic, you know, go from social drinking to having to stop. I've paid for someone's rehab. And so, you know, it's like, it's a sobering thing to begin the podcast with. But when you start from that perspective and then you tiptoe into the water, it's an entirely different way of experiencing it and you learn to appreciate okay like you don't have to you don't have to get hammered with this stuff this stuff that i love and the stuff that you guys love and the reason you do this and the reason we're on here to talk all about it is because i'm looking for the artwork i want to experience the the stuff they would put in the louvre of this
3: yeah so how do you how do you get from whiskey lullaby which is probably the dark side of you know alcohol (laughs) whiskey very dark deep song to uh you know rolling a rickhouse you know full of barrels behind you how did how did it all come about
0: i guess i built a bar in my farm in this old farmhouse where you can see pictures and various interviews i've done over the years of this bar i'm actually not there today or, or we'd show it but there's uh it's, it, it, there's this great old porch in front of this farmhouse we record in. And I just said, you know, this thing, cause it was, it was, it's a big porch and it's sort of like it had shag carpet and drop ceilings and it was in disarray. And I, I just, we got to do something with this. I Could we turn it into a pub? And a contractor named Denver Halsey, who I work with all the time, great guy. He's a genius. He's this guy from Georgia that builds all these things. What basically whatever we dream up, he builds. I flew him to to uh, Europe with us on our European tour. He'd never been across the. He'd never been on an airplane, and he went and he walked in all these pubs in Dublin and London, and would walk in and go, "Hey, my name's Denver, and I'm here to. My boss wants me to build one of these, and I just want to look around." And they're like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, what is that?" And it was like he was in Ted Lasso or something. He just walks in and he's <laughs> he starts talking. They're enamored and and. They wanted to show him everything about like what makes these pubs cool. And so he came back, ordered this stack of maple boards and built this handmade, this bar. And I say bar, it's the whole room. Everything's maple, everything's stained, and then he put shelves everywhere. And it's the greatest little entertaining place. It's the best place to watch a baseball game I've ever been other than a baseball game. So he, he built this place and we started to, I was like, okay, so I need to go get some good things. And then you go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> it's like, I need to go get some good things. Starts with, you know, you, you start with whatever the best things the, the local liquor store has are. And then you, you go, it's like Alice goes down the, down the rabbit hole and the guy that you get to know at the liquor store says, hey, hey, come on, let me show you what I have in the back. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, does every liquor store have a back?"
1: it's it's the secret room that everybody didn't know about but now they all
3: know about it it's where all the the blends plans is hiding right
0: yeah yeah and and it you know and so you start to explore and taste and learn like oh man these things are these things are all very different and so got to know a couple of really great distillers um over the years i've become friends with with uh a lot of the big guys. And, and, um, we would talk about, you know, sometimes they'd go, you, you ever thought about launching your own? And I'm like, yeah, I've thought about it. I just, it's gotta be something unique. And, and somehow the idea came up of, I love, I love the new expressions of stuff and the things people are doing, which depart from the typical, cause we have great typical bourbons out there, obviously. I mean, everything from Pappy to Booker's to, I mean, you know, you name it.
1: I love how our listeners are going to listen to that and they'll be like, oh, yeah, typical Pappy. You tell them, Brad.
0: <laughs> well, but you know what I'm saying, though? But the, I, the, the, what I would call typical where they, you know, it's aged for 20 years in a in a rickhouse and they have their process down to kind of keep it consistent. And and, you know, they do not depart.
3: Yeah. Quintessential bourbon.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, and now there's, but now there's some creative things where it's like, okay, so the bylaws basically say that it's got to be a new American oak cask and it's got to be at least this old. And, but after that, what makes it unique? And one of the things I loved was the idea of what moving it does, you know, and there's been people do that, but it's like, what happens if you put it, what if you take it on tour? If you take barrels on, like, a, I was like, the first idea was, can we put a barrel under the bus? And that is absolutely stupid. <laughs> you got these guys sleep on a bus at night, going down a highway with an explosive strapped to it.
1: Yeah. You're right. That, that was an easy one to cross off right away. That's not a bonded,
3: bonded transportation right there.
0: Well, what we ended up doing was, whoever I was talking to this about, we'd have a few drinks and talk about it. The next thing you know, you're spitballing and it's like. Well, if you had a truck and the truck was outfitted specifically for this in a way that keeps them secure, and then it went and it followed the tour and you and then it becomes the distillery and it becomes this thing that's the finishing process. Then I'm like, well, legally, what are the hurdles? (laughs) Speaking of legally, you know, it was an enormous amount of like, you can imagine, like it has to be this, this, this. You can't open it until it's back. You have to padlock that. It can be it is sealed with tape. It is not gonna, you're not opening those doors till it's back in Kentucky, really. I think you could if you had like a supervision or something, because basically, then you're just smoking the bandit, <laughs> illegally running it across, the, you know, you got Jerry Reed in the truck and, and the yeah. bandit following it.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things that you, you'd be surprised. I know that we've talked to Trey Zoller from Jefferson's before, and he said that he's lost a few barrels and it's not because they just lost. He just, sometimes they just have ended up empty at some point. And he
0: I may have them. been a part of that problem. Trey is a good friend. Trey was on one of the consultants in the beginning. And I talked to, cause I, I love ocean. I think, you know, it, it's one of the most consistent, unique. And that thing he does is so great. And I really do think it, it makes that what it is. And, So our thing was, what happens? We got 90 barrels in a truck. What happens? Like, how does it change? And when you taste it before it goes, and then save a little bit of that, and then taste it when it gets back, it changed the same way you change when you go, like, if you were to go on tour with me for the year and a half that bourbon did, it would have changed you too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you'd be better.
3: Yeah. It's, it's funny. I saw a Trey last night at sushi and I told him I was, we were interviewing he goes, yeah, he stole my idea. And I was like, no, it's different, man. (laughs) He he was just kidding. He's
0: just kidding. kidding. No, he's Trey's been Trey and I are, yeah, we, he, he, Trey came to Europe with us, um, on, when we went over, you know, and and it's funny, He, he comes to Europe and we were playing in Stockholm and, and, uh, he shows up with one of those Jefferson's 16-year, really rare. I'm like, you brought that on the plane? He's like, I wanted to bring you a gift. It's like, Trey. He's like, leave that in America. Now I have to figure out how the heck I'm getting it back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you put the cart before the horse. Figure it out later. He We're is an adventurer, water.
0: and I love, I love Trey so much. But it, yeah, he's, Trey was at the bar when we first came up with the idea, and I was like, so here's the idea. What do you think? He's like, I love it. He's like, you know, I'm all into the adventure of all these things because he he's been doing some things like that and all over the place. And I but it's 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 interesting. We already we already sent the second bash out this summer when we finally got to thankfully tour again. And that stuff was way different out of the barrel before it even left. It was it was a better bourbon before it went. Then the other was, and the other came back and became a great bourbon. But like the, this stuff, it's going to be interesting to see what the second, the second journey does to this.
3: For sure. So to start out, did you, because I think the law is you to be a Kentucky bourbon has to age there a year and a day in Kentucky. So was it a year, at least a year old before you started? putting? Yeah, I,
0: it was way older than that, but yeah, but it was already a bourbon, but it was young enough that it was like, I can't remember the exact years of the barrels, but they were, I think, you know, I, I'm going to say four, three, four, something. By the time, what's funny is by the time it got back, it was, I think it was, I'm, I'm, don't even quote me on any of this, but I think it was almost because of the pandemic, because basically it went on our tour and then it sat in in a parking lot because we expected to be ready to bottle it and then we couldn't and then we weren't. Like we had tour dates that we never got to play and it was out there for over a year and a half. I mean, it it was getting close to close to six years old before it was ever even off the truck, I think. And when you think about that, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good age for bourbon anyway. But then when you, when it spent a couple of years of its life moving around, you can imagine this thing went through Arizona in August and it went you know what I mean, and and if you've ever seen the way my drivers drive, no <laughs> human being are you going to say not trip. safe. Where, where, where are you going with this? One? I don't, I don't know. They're safe, but they're not, they're not delicate. They're what you want. I was going to ask. I, I said, did they give me like a few
1: brake checks every once in a while, make sure they get some real swooshing going between those barrels? I promise.
0: Turn on the air brakes. If they yeah. didn't, it's the Just, first time I've <laughs> ever ridden with any of them, and they didn't. <laughs> That's the fun part about, like, when you talk about aging it in America, it's got to start in America, and, and you know, it really can't leave. But I don't know that anybody's done it across most of the states before. It's fun to think about, you know, the story of it.
3: So while I was on the road, did BBC give you a deal on storage fees, or did they keep the the charges going (laughs) while I was on the road?
0: That's a good question. <laughs> you have
3: to check your tab. We'll check today. I have no idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. You were talking about the idea of where all this came from. And a thought had kind of crossed my mind is that maybe you were getting a little jealous of Peyton Manning because you all were doing those nationwide commercials for a while. And he was launching his own bourbon. You're like, nah, you can't be the only one.
0: Yeah, no, I, I that's well, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm well aware. I'm ready it? to... I'm going to, you know, I, I saw, he has a signed bottle at Brinkman's liquor store in Brentwood, Tennessee, where I would consider kind of my home store. And and uh, I signed mine and stuck it right next to him, a little higher on the shelf, a little bit higher up.
1: Yeah. Just one row higher, one row higher. Yeah, I'll see him bit.
0: soon and I'm going to give him a bottle and go, I'm sure we'll tease each other.
1: <laughs> so I guess another question to ask is, so how, how tempted were you to... Sit there and, and bust into the truck one of these nights because going on a tour for that long and having the truck with you and having them say, oh, can't open or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's right there. Pop it open. Pop a bunk.
0: It was tempting to want to try it midpoint or, or somewhere along the way and be like, you know, sort of sort of sample it. Yeah, it's for science. Yeah, it's yeah, for science, but we never did, you know, and the truck did. Like, if you got it close to the tailgate, it smelled like a, it smelled like bourbon. I mean, you know, you can, you can imagine ninety barrels in there. It is a rolling rickhouse. It's, and that's what it that's what it said on the side. You know, going down the highway was this big thing that said rolling rickhouse, and I think a lot of people were like, "What the heck is that?" We took pictures of it though at a lot of city limit signs and near landmarks and St. Louis Arch and whatever. It was fun to see it. You know, just know that bourbon's been like I've said this before. It's like. It's interesting to drink a bourbon that's more traveled than you. And I think that's probably the case.
3: That's one hell of a line. So what was the thought process about like partnering with someone like Barstown Bourbon Company? Were you aware
0: of them? I was aware from the product that they've begun to sell on their own. These these uh, series, the, like the Discovery Series, and I had already purchased uh, some of those and thought they were great. And I forget how it, was brought to me, but somebody said, Hey, this is a, I think they'd love to partner up and be a part of this experiment. And then as soon as I met those guys, I was like, Oh, these guys are lifelong friends. You know, it, it was really, uh, they were so excited about prospect that it was really refreshing to not just be dealing with someone that's like, nah, that's, that's too hard. Like everything was with a positive slant, like, oh, we'll make that happen. And I love that kind of thinking because you can imagine every twist and turn was like, and here's another legal concern.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. We know
0: that we know that pain. All too
1: well. highly
3: regulated industry, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and think about it. When bourbon <laughs> spends its life sitting stationary in a, in a place for 10 years, there's enough paperwork. It's an entire, entirely different, you add another, you know, sort of level of difficulty when you meet your truck driver named Skeeter and send him down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm kidding. That wasn't the name.
3: It's hard enough just get barrels from the warehouse, you know, to bottling at the same property. Yeah. You know, it's like right. all the paperwork and all the shit red tape you got to go through.
0: Yeah. Just, I mean, and, and in, instead we had, you know, Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed head down the highway. You're
1: like, let's make it harder. Yeah. So, I mean, what what are some of those challenges that you first encountered uh, starting to do this? I mean, of course, there's the legal hurdles and everything like that. Do you remember anything when the tour is first starting and getting that truck out there on the road uh, of any problems or issues or it was just kind of smooth sailing?
0: After that, it was pretty smooth. I mean, you know, you can see the, the, the nightmare scenario would have been a problem with the truck or... God forbid, like a, you know, a vehicle wreck or something. And we never had anything like that. Um, That guy, that driver, of all the trucks we had on the highway, I think that tour we had like six trucks or eight trucks or something. And that guy had the job. Because everybody else would pull into the venue. They had to unload, then go park, sleep all day, you know, and then be there for loadout. And it's, it's a very coordinated thing when you see them tear down the stage set at the end of the night, it's a, it's, it's a crazy machine of the lights go in this, and the video goes in this, and the music gear goes in this, and the—and it's all stacked a certain way, and here's how you secure it. And this guy, basically, whoever was driving the truck got to pull in, make sure he gets a shot at the city limit sign or somewhere around the video, venue, parks the truck in a spot where the, like we always made sure you could park it somewhere cool, like out in the parking lot where people were going to tailgate. And you'd see it. It was a conversation piece. And then, and then he went to bed. <laughs> he had the
1: game. <laughs> I was about to say, because I've seen a lot of those breakdowns happen before. And it, it's amazing. The setup process can take uh, upwards of maybe a whole day to two days. But breakdown's done in three or four hours. It's amazing how, how quick and then you're back on the road again.
0: It's crazy. I mean, it takes them. What's funny is it, it's sort of that whole it's easier to destroy than to create. And it takes them all day to set up but they are, those trucks are loaded. Like we all come off stage around 11. Those trucks are loaded by 1230, you know, and had it ready to go down the highway. And one of my favorite things to do, and this goes back to, to sort of like discovering a love for this stuff is at any given gig that time after 11, you come off stage, you're not ready to go to sleep. So you usually you'll eat like I'll save dinner for then. I'll like eat something when I come off. And then, and then we uh, one of our favorite things to do frequently is to go out into the arena and sit in, you know in some some seats in the back and smoke a cigar and have bourbon and watch them tear it down. And you know we don't do that every week but it's a lot of fun on a, on like the second to last night of a of a run or something to go sit there and it's it's just you sitting in the back back there with I'll get a bunch of the opening acts or a bunch of the band members and we'll sit around and it's a really cathartic experience
1: you got a go to meal you said that's the end of the night
0: no it's whatever's local like i i like to m- make sure we're experiencing these cities we've been there enough now that you know if we're in cincinnati it's skyline chili if we're in <laughs> love it if we're in uh, chicago it's deep dish pizza if it's you know that's like why not that's the thing it's like exactly the 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 theory on the on the bourbon it's like experience these places let them change you a little bit yeah
1: i know another question i had is you know you mentioned that you have this trailer out there during the tour kind of a conversation piece yet you really kind of kept it kind of hidden a little secret up until a few weeks ago of hey i'm coming out with a bourbon was there anything that was happening on tour when people saw a rolling rickhouse did they did they start connecting to the dots or did people ask you questions about it Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Was there anything that was happening on tour when people saw a rolling rickhouse? Did they, did they start connecting to the dots or did people ask you questions about it?
0: Yeah. People would ask, like uh, the opening acts would find out and people on tour would find out. But I think, no, it's not like it's an easy imaginary leap to go, oh, I bet that's bourbon in barrels aging. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody put it together. They're sort of like, what is that? A, is that a brand or is that? I mean, it kind of looks like a truck that is just hauling cases of finished bourbon somewhere to sell. Yeah. And then you find out it's like, no, that stuff's that stuff's on its way to, you know, it's maturing and experiencing this concert just like you are.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cool, unique thing you did uh, and being able to take it from from that direction. I know you have people like Metallica. They try to do. You know, sound wave injection and all this other kind of thing. And you said, "Well, we're going to do something a little bit different here." So it is kind of cool that you were able to find a new way to start putting your sort of stamp on it. Because we've seen we've seen a lot of times, you know, you you get a lot of celebrities into bourbon, and a lot of them are just trying to put their name on a package. It really feels that you are putting a a, a big sort of effort into making this really your own, and and putting a a huge time investment of yourself into it.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. I think it's, it's truly a, a labor of love. I mean, I, I, I feel like the, I didn't want this to just be like, slap my name on something and it not be great. Like I, I wanted to be part of the creation of it as well as I wanted to make sure what it is, is something that is unique and, and impossible to replicate. And You know, and that's the fun part about this is that, I mean, I like, I like these, I love the things that it's like, get it before it's gone. And with this, every time we do this, it's never happening again that way. Like the tour that we did this year was much shorter, but all, it was all summer. It was all outdoor venues and it was a lot of, I mean, we were Southwest, a lot of it and it's going to be and it started with a, an older bourbon and to begin with so it's going to be it'll be an entirely different expression with the same treatment do
3: you got the same driver though i think this guy was new
1: <laughs> call Skeeter. call
3: Skeeter. we need him back Skeeter took to me naps yeah this no. guy
0: this guy definitely seemed he seemed way, way more prone to like being hyper so he it could be a great match.
3: that's why uh, bourbon's the perfect product you know because it's like you can always say this and it's true it's everything's going to be different no matter what no matter what you do even if you took the same exact route and skeeter you know did the exact same everything it would be completely different
0: i'm always fascinated by the brands that are able to it's 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 not m&ms it's not you know what i mean it's not a hershey bar it's not like if you get the ingredients exactly the same it's going to be the same every time, but they somehow do it. When you think about mass-produced big brands, basically, I would imagine the Jack Daniels of today tastes a lot like, you know, the or, or the Beam of today tastes a lot like the Jim Beam of the 90s or something. But but really, I always look for, and I think you guys are probably the same, I always look for the one that's like, you know, oh, like like I love the 20... 2016 oh one they got bookers bluegrass that expression i bought as many of those bottles as i could find because i felt like that was that hit me i was like okay this is really something it's got its own thing and um and that'll never happen again and i'll look for like the ocean voyages i've told trey which ones i think were like i wish i'd bought everything the store had of you know (laughs) voyage number whatever and you know and and I like creating things like that. It feels like songwriting. It feels like, you know, here's a new song and hope you love it. And this song will be different from the last song. Hopefully they're not the same. If they're the same, I'm getting sued.
1: <laughs> we don't
3: need that. So you all, you know, you got it all around and then you start blending, you know, with uh, Dan and the team there at Barson Bourbon Company. What did you learn about? What did you learn, about I guess, about blending or the whole process that you didn't know of going into it?
0: Well, one thing that, that, I, that struck me was the, you know, I'd never really realized the importance of the nose of something like that. Like the, I find in the blending process and I don't know if you guys, this hit you guys that way, but it's like, you know, I, I'd always like, there were things like there's a, the local, one of the local liquor stores in Franklin, Tennessee that I went to, he got a barrel of Eagle Rare and he said, Hey, you need to, need to try this barrel we picked out. So I tried it and was like, and I sent uh, a guy that works for me back. And I was like, go buy like 10 of those bottles. (laughs) Cause there was something about the nose of it. Like it, it had a, it had a thing. So when we were blending this, one of the things we gravitated towards was the rye content number on the blend that was like, Oh, the nose becomes caramel With right when you hit this number with the blend we were doing, you know, and um, that's a blast. Like when you're when you're crafting it that way, it's like mixing a song in the studio. That's like a little more high end, a little more bass. And then the next thing you know, it's magical.
3: Yeah, because like what we found in blending is like a little can change the profile way off or way on. And you're like and you're like, just keep you're like, wait a minute, I was trying to get more fruit. Or more caramel and I thought if I added this component it would do it and it said it just made it taste like like shit and then you have to start over and yeah and
0: it's one thing I noticed was like when we were experimenting with the proof we had found the blend we liked of these and then we start to take like there was a there was a 90 a 96 100 107 and the difference between ninety six and a hundred was crazy. At like hundred was fine, ninety six was fantastic, and that's why we went with that. It was like there was something about that. I don't know why. That, that just those that those four little proof points.
1: I really like how, you know, you mentioned you're a big Booker's fan and, you know, Booker's is not known for anything below 100, that's for sure. No. And, and, you know, you, you come with, with 96. So were you experimenting with looking at something that was closer to barrel proof?
0: I liked 107, but I don't think that's for everybody. Like you want to make something that is the best expression. The best expression of this was at 96 proof. I don't know what the next one will be. Like, I don't know if it'll always be 96 or not. It may change a little bit if if that's what it takes to make the best thing out of the batch that went this year, but you know, I I felt like I think the 107 was great, like it it was, but it was hot, like 107 would be. And again, the best the best bourbon was 96, and it was better than 90. It was better than what you know, like 90 was good, but I wanted everybody to experience it at 96, like I like I did and thought that's the one.
3: Yeah. Each whiskey has its own like perfect proof point, you know,
0: it does. And that's the beauty of the guys at Bardstown and, and with what we're trying to do is that we don't have rules that we have to follow by. Like there's, there's nothing that says that it has to be exactly the same every time.
3: So you, you, you played on stage and done tons of interviews and played for massive crowds. I tell people I didn't realize how vulnerable I was till I released a, my own blended whiskey. What's more vulnerable, launching your own brand and blended whiskey or being, you know, up on stage and whatnot?
0: Um, this is vulnerable because, look, I have no, I have, you know, I'm standing here, I'm sitting here talking to you guys about something that I'm, I'm definitely an amateur about. But the passion is there. And the passion is there for sure. And I'm surrounded by people that do know what they're doing, thankfully. I'm, I'm the idea man. <laughs> but it's really, it's really, uh, I don't feel, it's not too vulnerable in the sense that I know what we did is good. So it's just fun now to see who loves it.
3: You know, somebody has hesitation about buying a celebrity brand because it's from a celebrity. What would you say to someone like that? You know, why yours is different?
0: Yeah, well... Um, this is not at all putting my name on something for profit. This is, I love this stuff and came up with the idea and said, how do we do this? And we did it. And it's a lot of fun to create something that's its own. It's, it's its own, uh, unique expression of something. So I'm definitely not the important part of this. The fun part of it is the thought process too, that it doesn't have to even be my tour.
1: So now you've already, you've already figured out the legacy. How is this going to live on?
0: Yeah. It doesn't have to be me. It can go anywhere. You know, this could, this could tour baseball stadiums. It could go to, I mean, you name it, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to think about how you, how you send this down the road. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, I hope people try it because of the fact that I think what we, what we did is unique.
2: Yeah, That is
1: unique. And, I guess another question to ask you is, so you, you're good friends with Trey, you know, he does different voyages. I think he's up to voyage 24 or 26 now. Are you going to start putting some sort of tour or something behind it so people know how to de- denote, hey, this is tour one, this is tour two or anything like that?
0: Yeah, we'll definitely make sure there's a way to tell um, that. Um, and as you say that, I realize now we need to make sure that we there is a way to tell that. <laughs>
1: we've gone through that ourselves we did it we did it too when we released our product people were like how do i know the difference between batch one and batch two and for the most part we said well you're not supposed to know it's just what you get off the shelf and people want to know the batches so give the people what they want
0: and trust me they'll find a way like i've told i told trey i'm like so voyage three didn't say voyage three did it or did it or was it it Voyage was that only had the number of the barrel. And then Voyage 5 said Voyage 5, and I've got all those. Like I started collecting <laughs> Ocean back in the beginning. The same with like like Elijah Craig the the old when it was 12. I've got yep. as many bottles of 12 as I could collect. I just grabbed one thing we found early on. Remember when they changed it to just Elijah Craig small batch and they didn't and they took the 12 off like they weren't pigeonholed yep. into having to be all 12. And um, so I, I just was like, I love 12 the way it is. So we ended up in Canada. We were on tour in Canada around that time and walked in a liquor store and they'd already started the new bottle shape and all of it. And I walked in a, a store in Toronto or somewhere and they had like 10 bottles of 12 and they wanted like $32. So I'm no, like, I'll take, take all. all ten of those, <laughs> and I and then I went to another one, and I started telling some friends of mine like, Hey, in Canada they're still selling twelve, and a bunch a bunch of us bought the the remaining twelves.
1: Some people clear out shelves; you clear out countries. Is that how it works?
0: <laughs> we took all of Canada's Logitech twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but that's hard. the fun part about this is is, and that's what that's what exactly what we wanted to make was something that's like, do you have that one? Yeah.
1: Any other good hunting stories on the road?
0: Oh, always. Um, I've made a lot, a lot of friends, that, like one of our fun things to do on the road is to visit the local whiskey store, whatever that is. And there are some great ones here and there. And some of them you would never know. Um, you'd never suspect certain cities as being great. Um, and if you think I'm going to tell you exactly which ones on here, I'm not, <laughs> I'll tell you off. Just of like it. a true whiskey <laughs> hunter. Keep your secrets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we made really good friends with a guy and, and, uh, in one state where I walked in his big huge wine and liquor warehouse type place. I didn't know it was his, but I walked in and I, I, one of the, one thing I found that I've never seen anywhere else is uh, George Dickel single barrel 14. And it's, you know, are they right? The barrel in it. And it was, there was one, there was all the nine, which is also really good, but here's one bottle of 14 year, So I bought it, and as I was checking out, they said, "Oh, you just missed the owner. He's on his way to your concert right now." I said, "Well, tell him come back, and I'll give him backstage passes." And he comes, he turns around, comes back into the liquor store, (laughs) says, "Hey, come with me." Takes me upstairs and shows me what's in his office, and he's like, "You want any of the antique collection?" And sold sold me like. He had a bunch of those, and he he became a friend, and and those are the fun stories. It's like that's the thing you always got to ask. What's what's backstage? Can I see backstage?
1: <laughs> you don't know unless you ask. So can we have backstage passes to the next tour? No, see how it works. Nope. So, so like here we go.
0: Well, <laughs> one thing we do on tour, yeah, of course you can. One thing that's <laughs> one thing that's really fun that we do on on stage is uh, we have bars on stage, which I don't think anybody else does. We've got these two light up bars and you can have up to about 30 people up there. And when the show starts, you can be on the stage, we have a bartender and they serve you drinks up there for most of the show. And um, we've been doing that for years now. And there's no, there's no bar like that. But this is the first time since this has been out, we haven't had really a concert since we just released this, but we'll obviously have to serve this.
1: I would say so. It's kind of like, it has, it's a gimme. You got to do that. You got to create some cocktails out of it. You got to get people jazzed up. I feel it. like
3: there's a brand extension opportunity, backstage bourbon, you know, coming next. Oh yeah.
0: There's like, the, there's the one you get on stage that you can't get anywhere else. unless. You can. <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the cocktail name for this? What would we make? What would it be? An American highway Ooh. something. Ooh.
3: The road trip. I don't know. Right, that's I like, <laughs> I'm going to put you two creatives together. Yeah. Skeeter juice. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not like the driver. To- Skeeter oh, juice. Yeah.
0: Forbidden zone. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Dan Dan would kill me if your cocktail was named Skeeter Juice.
0: <laughs> and that's not even the name of the guy, but that
1: this is going to live on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Brad, I'm going to wrap it up here with one last question for you. So Chris from Boston, he m- messaged us yesterday when we kind of said that we were going to talk about interviewing you. And he said, we wanted to know, you do a lot of stuff that's for your charitable endeavors, such as the store in Nashville. Any ideas of what you're going to be able to take some of this profits from your, your whiskey side of things and, and help? put it towards anything that's uh, part of that side of your life.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we will. I mean, um, this, uh, this has been just a creative endeavor so far. What we, our biggest focus is this thing. We started in Nashville called the store, which is this grocery store. That's, um, for people who are falling on hard times and they, it looks like a little grocery store and you come in and shop and it's got the dignity of choice. People get to go and, pick out their groceries and then when they check out they don't have to pay for it it's uh it's literally a free grocery store and it's it's been really successful so far in the sense that we we fed it started during the pandemic we had to figure out how to be what we wanted to be in that without people actually shopping in there for a bit but it's finally doing exactly what we hoped and we were over a million seven meals
1: wow that's awesome Congratulations! That's that's really awesome.
0: So you know, I, I would imagine there's you really have to um, you have to figure out ways that you're going to do some good with with something like this. Um, and we, you know, we will. But this really exists more for the artistic expression of of giving something to this niche of the of the world, the bourbon industry. That's new. Very cool.
3: I think I just came up with a cocktail name. What? Make a mistake. <laughs> you know the song make a mistake with me and then you know next thing you know come huge fans
0: he he takes this obscure album cut that's a minute long and wants to make this the the cocktail (laughs) that's me I'm totally random we need to do a it needs to be a (laughs) mud on the tires that's what it needs to be you got the American Highway Mud on the Tires drink. If you add the mud on the tires, it's the, what would that be? you put something in it, like a simple syrup. Put Kahlua drink. in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Kahlua and bourbon. Have you tried that? I don't think I don't, I don't, think I don't know so. whether that'd be good or not. I guarantee
1: you somebody has. There's There's got to be somebody that's out there to trying to figure it out. But Brad, I do want to say thank you again for kind of coming on the show today. Tell us a lot about your bourbon. For people that are interested in it, you can go and pick it up. It's going to be across store shelves. Gosh, it's in almost like 15 or 20 odd states, as well as online exclusively at Sealbox.com. But Brad, thank you again for, for coming on, telling us a little bit about your life, your story, and your bourbon. So congratulations on the launch of this. Really excited to see it.
0: Thank you, guys. Let's, uh, let's hang out at Bardstown next time I'm around. I'd love to meet you all. You got it. We can make it happen. Likewise. Come try the bar on stage and we'll we'll let you try the, uh, the Skeeter juice up there. <laughs> That's
1: cute.
3: That's cute. or the and bourbon yeah. the mud on the tires
0: you don't have to
1: ask us twice so make sure you uh, make sure you of course subscribe to Brad and follow him on everywhere subscribe to him on Spotify and everything like that but you can also subscribe to Bourbon Pursuit on all your favorite podcasting apps and subscribe to us on all your social media channels with that cheers everybody we'll see you next time